Hello, I'm Tommy Peeler, and welcome to Carefully Examining the Text. And today, we want to study Psalm 58. Psalm 58 has a heading much like Psalm 57. It mentions in the New American Standard Bible, Al-Tasheth. That is a transliteration of the Hebrew word, just putting the English equivalent to the Hebrew letters and vowel pointings. The translation, do not destroy, is suggested in the English Standard Version. We don't know if this was an ancient song to which this psalm was sung, but that heading appears in Psalm 57, 58, and 59, as well as Psalm 75. It is also called a mictum, which is found in Psalms 56 through 60. But listen to the words of the first few verses. The first few verses address wicked rulers, and then they give a description of these rulers. In verses 1 through 5, Do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? No, in your heart you work unrighteousness. On earth you weigh out the violence of your hand. The wicked are estranged from the womb. Those who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf ear, deaf cobra that stops up its ears, so that it does not hear the voice of the charmer or the skillful caster of spells. Psalm 58 begins like Psalm 52 in that it addresses wicked people. Now, most of the psalms begin by addressing God, but Psalm 52 asks the wicked man why he was so boastful. Psalm 58 addresses these people and says, Do you indeed speak righteousness? Now, to whom is this being addressed? The King James Version has congregation. The New American Standard Version and the ESV has gods. The NIV has the words rulers. The difficulty is that the Hebrew word is found only twice in the Old Testament. And there is difficulty knowing exactly how to translate it and exactly who it is referring to. I do think it's interesting that these gods are paralleled with sons of men in the New American Standard in verse 1. And so it may be a reference to powerful men who enact decisions that change other people's lives. And instead of ruling with righteousness and justice as God does in Psalm 96 and Psalm 98 and 99, instead of ruling with God's righteousness and God's justice, they rule with unrighteousness and injustice. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O ruler? Do you judge uprightly the sons of men? Now, even that phrase, sons of men, in verse 1 is debated. Is it the, are they the ones giving judgment or are they the ones receiving judgment? The ESV makes it as if the sons of men are being the ones that are experiencing this unrighteous judgment while in the New American Standard it makes it appear that they are the ones giving these judgments. 
There are difficulties in translations of this psalm. But I want you to see the basic message is simple. We stated a moment ago that Psalm 9610, Psalm 989, Psalm 994 emphasize God's holiness, that justice and righteousness are the foundation of His throne. And for men making judgments, they need to make decisions based on those same principles. You see that in Deuteronomy 1.17, in Deuteronomy 16, verse 18, in 2 Chronicles 19, verses 4 through 7. You see the same kind of thing. And what you see in Psalm 58 is people being addressed who were unrighteous, who practiced wickedness, who carefully measured out and meted out their wickedness and sin. They are described as people, in verse 3, who are estranged from the womb, who speak lies from birth. I don't believe this is a statement about total depravity, about people being born in sin. I think this is a strict hyperbole or or a strong hyperbole where the writer is emphasizing how incredibly corrupt these people are. We see in some passages like Psalm 22, 9 and 10, Psalm 71, 5 and 6, pictures of people trusting in God upon their mother's breast. That doesn't teach a doctrine of original trust. And this doesn't teach a doctrine of original sin. It is emphasizing that these wicked people have gone astray from their earliest moments. They have been bent upon wrongdoing, and they have been practicing it for a long, long time. In verse 4, they have the venom like the venom of a serpent, and they are deaf like a cobra. They they do not listen to the pleas of others, and the text emphasizes they are dangerous. They are poisonous. One writer stated that what is said about them being deaf like a cobra and stopping up its ears, the wicked resembles the viper in that he is venomous and he turns a deaf ear to the cry of its victims. He is insensitive to God. He's insensitive to justice. He is insensitive to the cries of the poor and needy. You remember in one of the parables, Jesus talked about a judge who did not fear God nor regard men in Luke 18. Verses 1 through 7. I think we're seeing the same kind of picture in Psalm 58. One who did not fear God and did not regard man. So verses 1 and 2 address the wicked. Verses 3 through 5 give a description of them. We're going to read that once again. And then we're going to continue to read verses 6 through 9 as it calls down a judgment upon the wicked. And then 10 and 11, as it pictures God judging the wicked and the world rejoicing at such a fact. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? No, in your heart you work unrighteousness. On earth you weigh out the violence of your hands. The wicked are estranged. 
are estranged from the womb. Those who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ears, so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or a skillful caster of spells. O God, as he prays judgment upon them in verses 6 through 9, O God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. Break out the fangs of the young lions. Let them flow away like water that runs off. When he aims his arrows, let them be as headless shafts. Let them be as a snail which melts away as it goes along, like the miscarriages of a woman which never sees the sun. Before your pots can feel the fire of thorns, he will sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and burning alike. In verse 10, the righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. All men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges upon the earth. So verse 6 begins this section as he asks God to judge these wicked judges who have meted out violence upon the earth. O God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. In Psalms 57, verse 4, the Bible spoke of some whose teeth are spears and sharp arrows. Their teeth are a powerful and destructive weapon, and he is begging God to shatter their teeth, to break out the fangs of the young lions. Psalm 57, 4 also compared the psalmist's enemies to lions. My soul is among lions. And here he begs God to break out the fangs of the young lions, shatter their teeth, break out their fangs. This eliminates the damage that they can do as their weapons of destruction are being broken. But he also asked for active judgment upon them. He asked that they be like the water that runs off or like the arrows that are headless shafts. Sometimes children play with archery sets that have little bows or little arrows with a rubber stopper on the end. And here the psalmist David is asking that God let his arrows be as headless shafts. May they not do any damage to others. Let them be like a snail that melts away or like a miscarriage that never sees the sun. Job 3.16 spoke of a miscarriage as Ecclesiastes 6 verse 3 does. And before they recognize what's happened, may they be quickly consumed. When the righteous sees the judgment that's prayed for in verses 6 through 9, there will be rejoicing. You notice in verse 10 that the righteous are not taking vengeance. The righteous are witnesses to the vengeance. It is to God they appealed, God to avenge them, God to stand up to their enemies. But when the righteous will rejoice when he sees God's vengeance and even is pictured as washing his feet in the blood of the wicked. Men will say when they see this, surely there is a God 
There is a reward for the righteous. There is a God who judges on the earth. I want you to notice that many of the items that were mentioned in the first verse and the first two verses of Psalm 58 are mentioned again in the last verse, in Psalm 58, verse 11. Both of these passages speak of righteousness or righteous. They both speak of saying or speaking from the same root. They speak of judging they speak of the earth, verse 2, and then in verse 11. So there, this, this psalm is an inclusio where many of the subjects introduced at the beginning are revisited at the end to demonstrate to us that all these subjects that have been brought up have been rectified by the judgment of God. God will deliver the oppressed. But often delivering the oppressed means judging the oppressor. And judging the oppressor leads men to see that, yes, there is a God who judges between right and wrong. There is a God who will call people to account for their evil behavior. Are verses 6 through 11 sub-Christian? Is it wrong for us to ask God to break the teeth of the wicked or to rejoice when the wicked fall? When we discussed Psalm 35, we had three podcasts on that psalm. I believe it was the second podcast on that psalm that dealt with this question more specifically, and specifically with the question, were these prayers okay for God's people in the Old Testament, but not okay for his people today? So if you didn't listen to that podcast, I invite you to go back and to take that, uh, this opportunity to do that. But is it out of line to ask that God judge the wicked? Maybe we lose the sense of outrage that we should have at wickedness. I just read the story this week of a woman who had spent some time as a sex slave. She had been abducted. She was allured to America by an appeal to a job. She was from Indonesia. She had lost her job as a banker. And she was invited to America and offered a job. Little did she know this was all a ploy simply to get her here. And the people found her at the airport and led her away, led her away to sex slavery, where she was raped, where she was often beaten. And then finally, after several years, she escaped through a window in a bathroom. Her story was horrifying. But what does that tell you? about the people who would perpetuate such evil. Is it sub-Christian to pray that God break the teeth in their mouth? That God shatter the fangs of the young lion? I don't think so. I pray that God brings down all who do such things. I pray that God brings judgment upon them and that it be done in such a public way 
that we might all see, yes, there is a God who judges wickedness. I'm not minimizing Jesus praying for his enemies in Luke 23, verse 34. I don't want to minimize that or eliminate that from Scripture. And God may choose to eliminate that kind of evil by transforming those who practice them. Praise God for that. But what I am trying to stress is there is unthinkable evil in our world. And we should be outraged by it. And we should pray God's judgment upon it. But how does Psalm 58 apply to Jesus? How does it apply to him? Well, the first five verses talked about unjust and wicked judges. And it gave a description of them, of how corrupt and evil they are. Did Jesus know anything about that? There was no one more acquainted firsthand with injustice than he was. There had been plenty of injustices before Jesus, but Jesus' crucifixion was the worst injustice the world has ever seen. It's the worst crime that the world has ever committed as they crucified one who went about doing good and healing those oppressed of the devil. They crucified him. Jesus knows all about the injustice that Psalm 58 describes. I may not have experienced that kind of injustice. You may not have experienced it. But Jesus did. Jesus did experience that kind of injustice. And while Jesus did not pray, break their teeth in their mouth, He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing in Luke 23. Not stating that to state there's no place for these prayers today. You understand that. But I am stating that to state point two about Jesus and his fulfillment of Psalm 58 is that Jesus absorbs all the wrong and all the curses that these wicked people deserve for their sin. He experienced them on the cross. He, in a sense, absorbs all these curses in what happens to him as he is beaten rejected and murdered for our sins and for our transgressions. And in this psalm, there is rejoicing when the wicked is judged. There's rejoicing. There's a God who judges the earth. And there is rejoicing at the death of Christ because we can be washed in His blood Psalm 58, verses 10 and 11, speak of washing our feet in the blood of the wicked, but we can be washed in the blood of the Lamb, as Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14 describe. So Jesus knew all about the unrighteousness and injustice that these writers experienced, that these David and those in his day experienced. Jesus absorbed the curse that fell upon them. And Jesus' blood can bring righteousness and salvation. Psalm 58, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 